Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Four Sundays from today, we're to be celebrating one important events, not only in the church calendar, but the whole of human history. This event is the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for the next couple of weeks, we are going to be talking about what led to that particular event. So I pray that the Lord himself will use his words to be able to prepare us to receive the power of his resurrection. Now, I said that that particular event is the greatest event, not just in the church, but in the whole world. Why do I say that? I say that because, number one, that particular single event is what we use now to measure time. Because after everything is measured, after, before, or after Christ. We use that event because that event is important because the souls of men are saved because of that particular event. That event is important because hell's advances were halted because of that particular victory on the cross of Calvary. Not only that, we talk about that event. The event is important because the salvation of my soul, the salvation of your soul was assured because of that particular event. And not only that, the eternal destinies of men was defined and assured because of what Christ did on the cross of Calvary. And as believers, we have that particular privilege. We have that privilege of knowing the inside story. In other words, what happened that led to that great event that we're talking about. And because we, you know, because we're believers, we're given the opportunity to see what happened. The Bible now preserved that history for us so that we can see what really happened within that, you know, that led to that great event. And we pick up the story from the book of Matthew chapter six, uh, 26. Matthew 26. The Bible describes for us the last moment of our Lord Jesus Christ that he spent with his disciples. The Bible records the last hours preceding this great human event. And if you start looking at from chapter 1 of that verse of the script, of that, of that, uh, of that chapter, the Bible tells us from verse 1 to verse number 4 that there was a plot by the religious leaders to kill the Lord Jesus Christ. By the time you get to verse number 6 through number 13, we see that there was a particular woman when Jesus was visiting the house that started anointing the Lord Jesus Christ with a bomb. And Jesus commended him. Jesus actually made a comment. He says that anywhere the gospel of the anywhere the gospel of the kingdom is being preached, this woman, the action of this woman, will always be remembered. By the time you get to verse number fourteen through to verse number sixteen, we will see that there was an arrangement, an agreement between Judas and the religious leaders on how to be able to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. By the time you go from verse number seventeen to verse number thirty, the Bible tells us there that they now began to celebrate what we all now refer to as the Passover feasts. In verse 31 to 35, Jesus Christ made a very stunning uh, uh, prediction. He told his disciples, he said, in a very few hours, many of you are going to decide, many of you are going to deny me. You are going to run away. And then Peter, when he was making noise, he he told Peter, he said, even today, yours is going to be very specific. Three times you are going to deny me this very, very day. That was, you know, from verse 31 to verse number 35. And by the time you hit number 36, which is where we're picking up the story, that is where we now see Jesus walking his disciples into that particular garden that is called Gethsemane. So let's pick up the story from verse number 36. The Bible says Jesus went 
Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here, sit here a while, I, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and two sons of, and the two sons of Zebedee. He began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not, not as I will, but as your, but as your will, but as you will. Then he came to his, came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest he enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is. Now from this verse of scripture, the Bible then documents the final hour of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that the Passover feast was, you know, the, 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 after the Passover feast, they all went into that particular garden, into, into, the, into, into that place called uh, Gethsemane. They took, you know, and when they, when they got there, the Bible tells us in verse number 37, that they took Peter, James, and John, his closest associate, and they went a little further into the garden. And when they got in there, the Lord Jesus Christ started unloading what was in his heart he started telling them you know telling them that he was experiencing some kind of a, 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 a level of sorrow in his spirit and from verse 38 the bible tells us he said my soul is exceedingly sorrowful even unto death stay here and watch with me now if you read from verse 36 to verse number 45 of matthew chapter 26 the bible tells us there the amount of anguish that was going on in the heart of our lord jesus christ the bible tells us there the kind of pain that was going on this prayer of our lord jesus christ expressed his sorrow and expressed his pain that he was you know that he was feeling at that point in time and the question that came to mind is that why was he so sorrowful what was that thing that was burdening his heart that was making it very difficult for him to be able to move forward? What was that pain thing that was weighing down his spirit that made him very sorrowful? Isaiah 53 that we read a few minutes ago, the Bible already told us the kind of person that our Lord Jesus Christ was going to be. The Bible said, who will believe, who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form of comeliness and when we see him, and when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. The question is, Way back in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah already identified Jesus Christ as a man of sorrow. The question is, why did Jesus, why did Isaiah refer to him as a man of sorrow? Why did he tell his disciples that I, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful? I need you around me. Why did Isaiah refer to, the, uh, refer to Christ as a man of sorrow? Now, before we answer that question, we need to be able to understand what it means to be able to walk into that garden called Gethsemane. And why the Lord Jesus Christ was there in the first place. Go back to the book of Matthew chapter 26. Matthew 26, from verse, verse, verse number 36. The Bible says, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, sit here, sit here while I go and pray over there. The Bible says Jesus came to the place called Gethsemane. The question is, what is this place called Gethsemane? What is this place called Gethsemane? Gethsemane is a place. If you look at it very well, in terms of uh, in terms of his, in terms of its actual location, it's just a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a garden that is just right next to the Mount of uh, to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem. And that particular garden, it's you know the name Gethsemane itself means a place where where olive is pressed. 
Just like when you're talking about wine press, it's a place where olives is pressed so that you can get what? You can get fresh oil from it. It's a place where olives is crushed and squeezed so that fresh oil can be produced from it. In other words, Gethsemane is a place of crushing. A place of surrender. Gethsemane is a place where you surrender your will and, and, and subject yourself to the will of the Almighty God. Gethsemane is a place where Jesus chose his final hours to spend with his disciples. And the interesting thing to me is this. Of all the places in Jerusalem, he could have picked anywhere, but he decided to go to test, he decided to go to Gethsemane. Of all the places where a man, I mean, you know you are going to, you're about to die. If, you know, if you were, if you were, you know, if you, if you were somebody else, you probably choose another place. A place where you probably have fun with your people for the last time. Where you probably enjoy the company of your people last time. But he chose Gethsemane. Of all the places he could have spent his time, spent his last hour, he chose Gethsemane. The question is why? Why did he choose a place like Gethsemane? And I've given you some suggestions as to why he chose the place. The first reason why he chose the place was because Gethsemane was a place that was symbolic. Symbolic in the sense that it was a place that was, you know, that was symbolic of the experience that Jesus Christ was about to go through. As oil, as olive was to be pressed. Before you can get oil out of the olive, you have to kind of crush it. You have to kind of squeeze it to be able to produce the oil. Jesus knew that he was going to go through some period of squeezing, some periods of crushing. His body will have to be crushed for him to be able to obtain that particular oil of gladness that brought salvation to you and I. So that particular place was symbolic to him. That's why he chose it. Number two, why did the Lord Jesus Christ choose Gethsemane? The Lord chose Gethsemane because it was a place where reality has to be confronted. It's a place where he has to confront the reality of what he was about to go through. He knew he was going to suffer. He knew he was going to be challenged. And that is the place that where he has to be able to confront the thing that he was about to suffer. Number three, why was Gethsemane chosen? Gethsemane was chosen because it's a place of reminder. A place that reminded him that yes, there is a suffering ahead of him. Why did he choose Gethsemane? Gethsemane was chosen because it's a place of preparation. A place where he has to prepare himself, get himself ready for the things that he was going to be able to face. Why did he choose Gethsemane? Gethsemane is a place of outpouring. A case of a place where you pour out your soul to the Almighty God. When you surrender yourself and say, Lord, not my will but yours be done. Why did he choose Gethsemane? He chose Gethsemane because it's a place of encouragement. He knew that if he surrendered himself to the Almighty God, God's power and God's presence was there to be able to lift him up. Why did he choose Gethsemane? He chose Gethsemane because it's a place of victory. He knew that if he was able to survive that very night, he knew that if he was able to go through Gethsemane and come out in one piece, he knew he could face the cross. That's why he chose Gethsemane. And my brothers and sisters, you need such a place in your life. You need such a Gethsemane, a place called Gethsemane in your life. A place where you are able to, where you are able you know, to face the challenges of life. A place where you are able to be able to go to when the light, when the host of hell is encircling your life. A place where you are able to unload your body to the Almighty God. A place that reminded you that God is still in control. A place that will remind you that if you are only able to pray, the heavens will open and there will be assistance for you. A place where you are able to bear your all to the presence of the Almighty God. You need your own testimony. And my brothers and sisters, you must understand one thing. If Jesus failed at Gethsemane, Calvary would not have been possible. If Jesus was not able to survive the hours that he spent at Calvary, at Gethsemane, you wouldn't have been able to face the challenges that the cross had in stock for him. Because the Bible says that in Gethsemane, he was praying and the sweat that was coming out of his body were like the drop of blood. The hosts of hell were ready to be able to devour him. And there he was able to survive. Because he won at Gethsemane, he was able to go to the cross. And the man or the woman 
Who will overcome the pain of life? Who will overcome the sorrows of life? Who will overcome the challenges of life? Who is able to be able to stand when everybody around them are falling down? When the host of hell is encircling to be able to devour your soul? That particular person must not only be willing, but he must be willing to win at Gethsemane. You must be able to go through that Gethsemane experience to be able to survive what the hell will throw at you. The man must be a man who is able to win at the place that is called Gethsemane, a place of prayer. So seeing how difficult Gethsemane was, seeing how difficult the experience was for the Almighty God, seeing how difficult that the, the, the thought of Gethsemane was for our Lord Jesus Christ, the question is, why did he visit it? It was going to be a very harrowing experience. It was going to be a very difficult experience. He knew that the host of hell were waiting for him at that place. But the question is, why did he go in the first place when he knew? Why did he visit his own Gethsemane? Why was Gethsemane necessary? Why was it important that Jesus Christ go, uh, go to that particular place and do what he, had, what he did in that place? Gethsemane was important because it is there at Gethsemane that you learn how to face the reality of life. And the reality of life is that everything is not going to be rosy. The reality of life is that hell is going to be against you. The reality of life is that if you are going to stand with God, definitely you are going to be opposed by the enemy. Jesus Christ went to Gethsemane. And Gethsemane became necessary because it's a place where you face the reality of life. The sorrows that life throws at you, you face it there. Number two, Jesus in Gethsemane became necessary because that is where you come to terms with your humanity. Jesus Christ had to come to terms with his humanity. The Bible said he prayed. He said, let this cup pass over me. In other words, the human element in the Lord Jesus Christ did not want to go to the cross. But the God part of our Lord Jesus Christ was completely, was, completely, was completely good with that particular idea. The Bible now makes us to understand that he had to go through Gethsemane because he had to teach the humanity. He had to come to terms with his humanity. He had to come to the point where he brings his will in subjection. To the will of the Almighty God. Why did he go through Gethsemane? He went to Gethsemane because he has to fight the battle to win it. The battle of life. One of the things you must understand is that before you can win your battle physically, you have to win the battle spiritually. A man who cannot win the battle spiritually cannot win the battle physically. Jesus Christ, when he was sending out his disciples, the Bible told us something there. He said when he sent them out, they went and they preached and they came back and they told him the things that they do. How they were able to cast out the demons, cast out the... Uh, you know, heal the sick and do all those things. Jesus Christ says something very important. He said, I saw Satan fall. Until you are able to see Satan fall on your knee. Until you are able to win the victory on your knee. Until you are able to be able to lift up your hand and stand against the wiles of hell. In your prayer time, you will not be able to do it in the physical. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You can say all the good words. You can preach all the good things. You can, you can say the devil is a fool. The devil is a liar. The devil is a whatever, whatever. If you are not able to conquer the devil in a time of prayer, you cannot have the victory. And that was why Gethsemane was necessary. Because Jesus had to go fight the battle, win the battle of Gethsemane before he could go to the cross. Why was Gethsemane important? Gethsemane was important because Jesus Christ had to surrender his will to the will of the Almighty God. As long as the will is battling, as long as you are fighting the things that God wants to do through your life, as long as the will is not surrendered, what you will find is that you are going to continue to have that constant battle. And as long as that constant battle is happening, the enemy will continue to have his way. But the will has to be totally surrendered. He will have to be brought under the will, under the authority of the Almighty God. And that was what happened at Gethsemane. Not my will be done, but yours, O Lord. 
Why was Gethsemane necessary? Gethsemane was necessary because Jesus Christ saw and trusted the victory of Almighty God at that particular place. Because you will notice Jesus Christ now say, get up, let us go. The, 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 the people who are going to betray me, they are at hand. In other words, I have won the victory already. I have defeated the enemy. The enemy has fallen in this particular place today. I've been able to overcome the, I've been able to overcome that human element. That thing that is rebellious against the things of God, I've been able to bring in under the command of the Almighty God, and as a result, I am ready to go. That's why Paul the Apostle said, I am ready to be offered, because he knew that he had won the victory. Gethsemane was necessary, because that is where he learned to trust, for, you know, he trusted God for the victory over his life. Gethsemane is important because without Gethsemane, Calvary will not be possible. It is the place where the foundation of further victory or future victories was won. Gethsemane is important because that was where the foundation, that was where the foundation of future victories was won. A man who is able to win the victory in his closet, when he goes outside, that's where you see the results. But if you have not been able to win in the closet, if you have not been able to win in your own time of prayer, you cannot win when you step outside. So Gethsemane was important because that was where the foundation of future victory, that was where that place, that was where the foundation was laid. That's why, that's why Gethsemane was very, very important. Now that we have seen the need and the importance of Gethsemane, the question is, what led Jesus to that particular place? Why Gethsemane? What led him there? What brought Jesus to that particular place called Gethsemane? Go back to the book of Matthew chapter 30 and 26. Matthew 26. I want to read from verse number 38. The Bible tells us, and then, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch with me. When Jesus got to Gethsemane, what drove him to Gethsemane? What drove him to the place of prayer? What drove him to the place where he wanted to surrender his will to the Almighty God was the amount of sorrow, the amount of pain that was going through in his heart. That particular pain, that particular sorrow was what drove him to that place. And the question is, why was he so sorrowful? Why did he need to go there? He was sorrowful because, number one, Jesus was about to experience the pain of the betrayal of a disciple. That was why the sorrow was heavy in his heart. Somebody who has been with you for three years, walked with you, ate with you, slept with you, did everything to you, ministered with you, and that person is about to betray you. If for you to know that that is about to happen, there is a level of pain that it produces in your heart. So Jesus was sorrowful, number one, because of the pain of betrayal that he was about to suffer from the hand of a disciple. Jesus was sorrowful, number two, because of the denial of a brother that he was about to experience. Peter, his right-hand man, was about to deny him three times. He knew that Peter was going to do it. That was the pain. That was one of the reasons why he was very very, very sorrowful because of the pain of the denial that came you know from a, from a brother. Number three, Jesus was sorrowful because he was about to experience the bitter pain of rejection of a nation. A nation that he came to save. A nation that he has been spoken about. The prophecy that has said that Jesus was coming thousands of years before they came and eventually when he showed up now they rejected him. He was about to experience the rejection of a nation. That was why he was sorrowful. He was sorrowful because he was about to experience the injustice and the mockery of men. They knew they were lying. They knew they were making up the stories. They knew that they were about to crucify a, an innocent man. Jesus was about to experience that mockery of, of, of a trial. He was about to experience the, the injustice that men can do. That was why he was sorrowful. He was sorrowful because he was about to carry the weight of the sins of the world. He was about to carry it. 
He knew that he was going to carry that weight. And he knew the consequence of carrying that particular weight. That was why he was sorrowful. He was sorrowful because he was about to be forsaken by his father. And that was why when he was at the cross, he said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? The reason because he was carrying the weight of this war. And the Bible tells us that the eyes of the Almighty God is so pure that he cannot behold iniquity. And because iniquity was laid upon him, the eyes of the Almighty God was turned away. And he, was, he could not bear that they, he could not bear being separated from his father. That was why he was sorrowful and that sorrowful was heavy upon his heart that was why he needed to go to get so many and the same thing in our own lives when you are going through pain you are going through rejection you are going through betrayal you are going through a mockery of what men and women can do to you you are going through the, a weight of, of of guilt that does not belong to you the best place for you to go is your own little gethsemane so that you can unload and release it to the almighty god but one thing i want you to understand is this it is not what brings you to get simony that matters. Okay? It's not what brings you to get simony that matters. It is what you do at get simony that matters. It is not what brought you to the place where you are right now that matters. The question is, what are you doing about it? Are you going to continue to allow that thing to define you? Are you going to allow you continue to, you know, are you going to continue to allow that thing to determine how you are going to move forward? Or are you going to do something about it? It is not what brought you to get simony that matters. It is what you do at get simony that really matters. It is how you deal with the issue at get simony. You can say you are praying, but some of our prayers just complain to the Almighty God. Lord, you know how good I am. You know how these people have been messing them up. You know, I mean, you need to do something. Help me now. These guys are not there. You just go there and you are whining. That is, uh, that is not, if you are going to pray, you pray. If you want to whine, whine. There is a particular song that we used to sing back home. Why worry when you can pray? And I turn it around and I say, why pray when you can worry? So the whole idea is that you have an option. What you do at Gethsemane matters. What you do there matters. It is how you handle the pain, how you handle the sorrow, how you handle the betrayal, how you handle the disappointment that determines what happened after you come out of Gethsemane. And the question is, how did our Lord handle it? How did Jesus handle his own time at Gethsemane? Number one, you will find out that he handled his own time at Gethsemane, number one, by surrounding himself with trusted friends. Look at verse number 37. That says, Jesus came to them came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said unto them, sit here a while, sit here while I go and pray, uh, pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. So he, the first thing he did when he got into a place of Gethsemane was to be able to surround himself with trusted associates. That is why you need prayer partners. That's why you need people who share the same faith with you. That's why you need people who are standing on the same principle, who believe the same thing with you when you are going through your difficult time. Number two, how did Jesus handle his time in the Gethsemane? Nobody shared his pain with his closest associate. The Bible said in verse number 38, he said unto them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. This is the son of God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. The one that the Bible referred to as the word. The word was, the Bible said in the beginning was the word and the word was his God and the word was God. Here is that same God sharing his own birth with just mere mortals. That tells you something that tells me something. That when you are going through a difficult situation, you don't have to keep it to yourself. You need somebody to unload with. Why do people go crazy? Why do people put a gun to their head? Because they refuse to share their burdens with somebody else. At the time of when Jesus was going through his own through his own Gethsemane, he shared his pain with his closest associate. Number three, how did he deal with it? He dealt with, he dealt with it by requesting the company of his close friends. It is one thing for you to share your burden with somebody. It's another thing to request the company of that friend. The Bible says in that verse number 38, it says, stay here and watch with me. 
It's one thing for you to know what is going, what I'm going through. It's one thing for you to know what I'm in, the challenges I'm facing. But I'm asking you that it's not enough for you to just know about it. I want you to share a moment with me. And that's what Jesus Christ did here. Jesus said, stay here and watch with me. In other words, bear this burden with me. Carry this load with me. Let me find a place where I can rest it. Let me find uh, uh, somebody I can trust. Let me find somebody who can bear this burden with me. When you are going through your own Gethsemane, the first thing you must understand is that you need to surround yourself with trusted associates. They tell you you need to share your pain with close friends. You need to be able to request the company of close associates. And not only that, you need to know how to call upon the source, the only source of true help. And that was what Jesus Christ did. The Bible says he went a little further, fell on his face, and prayed. Because he knew that the only person who could help me at that point in time, as good as John, Peter, James, and John are, as good as his, his disciples were, they could not help him in certain issues. They are there for provide physical support, but he needed victory in the spirit. And the only place where he can get that victory is to call upon the name of the Almighty God. And that is what he did. The Bible said he went a little further and fell on his face and called upon the Almighty God. When you are going through your own time of Gethsemane, you need to be able to call upon the only source of help. And that is the Almighty God. Number four, or number five, or number one, where we are in right now. You need to be able to use the only potent weapon in life. And that is the weapon of prayer. The Bible says he fell on his face and prayed. You can complain about a situation from now till kingdom come. It will not change until you pray. You can ask for all the help and uh, look for it, depend on people. Things might not change until you are willing to employ the potent weapon of prayer. And that is what the Lord Jesus Christ did in his own testament. Not only that, he surrendered to the will of the Almighty God. When you are in your own time of difficulty, when you are going through your own time of challenges, when you have faced all the disappointment and all the and all the betrayal that you can face, the only thing you need to do at that point in time after you have prayed and done everything is to surrender to the will of the Almighty God and say, not my will, O Lord, but yours be done. Because we know one thing, that in every situation, the Bible makes us to understand that all things work together for good to them who are called and who are called according to his purpose. In other words, we surrender to the will of the Father. And not only that, when you are going through your own time of Gethsemane, how you respond is by trusting in the faithfulness of the Almighty God. The Bible makes us to understand in verse number 45. He said, then he came to his disciples and said unto them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed to the hands of the sinner. Rise! Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. In other words, I have won the victory. I know my father is faithful. I know my father will take care of issues. It might not go the way I'm expecting it to go. It might not be as pleasant as I want it to be pleasant. It might not be a walk in the park, but I know my God is faithful. You have to be able to come to the point of trusting the Almighty God, trusting the faithfulness of the Almighty God when you are going through your own time, when you are going through your own Gethsemane. And please understand that Christ knew the outcome of that Gethsemane experience. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. He knew that God was not going to change his mind. He knew that. He knew before he fell on his face before God that God was not going to answer that prayer. That God was not going to take the cup away. He knew. Okay? And then I asked myself, if you already know that God is not going to answer that prayer, if you already know that the cup will not be taken away, if you already know that this particular suffering is not going to be taken away, why are you wasting your time praying? Why are you praying? You know that that woman is going to die. Why are you praying? You know that you're not going to get that job. Why are you praying? You know that certain things are going to, you know, are not going to go your way. Why are you praying? If Christ already knew that the cup will not pass from him, why did he subject himself to the pain that he went through in Gethsemane? Was it necessary for him to spend the hours that he spent in Gethsemane? Knowing that he was not going to see anything. 
Why waste your time seeking the face of God in a situation that you know the outcome already? Why did Jesus spend the hours in Gethsemane? Why, when he can be petitioning his congressman? You know, when he can be reorganizing a match for Jesus? You know, when he can be carrying placards and walking through the streets of Jerusalem and telling them, these people are about to kill me for nothing, you know, eh? He should have been doing that. He should have been protesting, carrying blacker. But he was many times praying. Why waste your time when the change, when the outcome will not change? Why did Jesus spend all that time in Gethsemane? Let me suggest to you why Jesus spent that time. My brothers and sisters, Jesus spent that time because, number one, he must reconciliate the reality that he knew with the reality that is in the presence of him. Christ had to come to terms with what he faced. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.